Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, we are not in studio together tonight. We are remote. We're not periscoping for the first time in, in weeks. Weeks, dude. In weeks, dude. But we'll be back at it uh, next week, dude. We have uh, grown apart. We've grown distant, just like the Sharks have from their winning ways. We, too, have grown distant from our winning ways, dude. Sharks predictably go in the toilet once they come home. How could we not have called that? <laughs> well, it's hard. I think we were trying our best, dude, to uh, think that perhaps they turned over a new leaf by being on the road. But unfortunately, they played two good teams, a team that they had beaten on the road just a few days ago and got completely worked last night by Pittsburgh. Yes. And then they got worked by Chicago. Yep, as uh, you would probably expect. Neither of us were particularly optimistic about the Chicago game. I was certainly more optimistic about the Pittsburgh game since, as you said, we just beat them. But Pittsburgh, uh, we're up, what, 3 nothing, 4 nothing, 3 nothing. Yeah. They were up 3 nothing, Yeah. And, uh, and then the Sharks had a disallowed goal. Kevin Kurz wrote an article about how maybe the Sharks didn't get some bounces. I think three of their three of Pittsburgh goals came from behind the goal line, uh, two off of uh, deflections in front and one on a wraparound. Are you at all convinced or swayed by this argument, or did the Sharks just cough up another one at home like they've done all season? Well, I, I, I don't... I mean, watching the game for the first... Like, when it was 3-1... It didn't feel that bad. It didn't feel that bad. And then it kind of got out of control, I felt, a little bit. I mean, Pittsburgh was definitely the better team. I thought uh, last night I I liked some things that I saw from the Hurdle-Wingles line. Um, I liked Hurdle seemed a little irritated last night, which I've not really seen that, like, angry Tomash. You know, we haven't really seen that yet. Um. He was playing physical. There were some moments in the corners that I, I enjoyed seeing that side of his game. And we really need to see him kind of pick up his overall play, which, you know, I think you look at sort of what he's doing. He's got 11 points in 24 games. He's 58% in the faceoff circle, which is, you know, very good. Um, so if you're looking for a bright spot, I mean, perhaps you can hang your hat on him, but you know, once again, you know, the Sharks sort of, I think their defensive depth is lacking and they were unable to score enough to keep up with the team that has the ability to put a lot of pucks in the net. And that's not a good combination. <laughs> no, certainly not. I, I think they did well against Calgary, but Calgary's just really, they did not bounce the way I thought they might or the way I feared. And they They're just look. Good. They just look like a bad team. Yeah, th- that's not a good team. You know, I mean, that's that's not a good team. And I think the thing that the Sharks <laughs> have going for them 
fortunately for them is that their division stinks. Like the oh, yeah. Pacific is bad and the Sharks as inconsistent as they've been, you know, now they're 14 and 10. Um, their road winning streak has bought them some rope right now. They're a playoff team. They're, they're a home playoff team. They would host Arizona right now if the playoffs happened today. How funny crazy, is that? Crazy. So you've got Vancouver, Anaheim, and Calgary, three playoff teams from last year out of the picture completely. Um, but they're not far behind. I mean, they're all, you know, within striking distance. Well, maybe not Calgary, but you know, Vancouver is right there. And Anaheim is still sort of middling around. But um, the fact that the division is so poor, you know, the Sharks will be able to maybe flounder around a little bit to try and figure out some of these things. But the fact that the power play still sucks and that we're seeing some declining production from some of our, you know, guys that that you really needed to count on for for having good seasons. Yeah. Um it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating, you know? It certainly is. And and like you said, I I mean we've definitely seen I'm a little shocked by the decline of Joe Thornton. He's only got fifteen points in twenty four games, which is way off his normal production rate and right. he just i don't know he just doesn't he looks a little He's different 50 percent in the face-off circle too which i find that to be pretty alarming as well um he has not been as dynamic or as visible as he's been in the past and maybe age is catching up to him really for the first time noticeably for a fan's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's disappointing. And I think he, I think we were hoping Logan Couture might be back by now, but I think uh, the most recent thing I read about Logan Couture is that he's, he's not rushing it. He's coming back slowly and it didn't sound like there was much of a short term timetable to get him back in the lineup, dude. It sounds like he's still weeks away. Right. I know he was, I think, skating with the team, which, you know, as long as he's wearing the non-contact jersey, it doesn't, it doesn't really mean a lot. It means he's getting closer. But, I mean, I'm with this, the Sharks are not in a position right now where they should be scrambling because of how bad the division is. They can play a little bit of a long game with Couture and. You know, if he's ready in two or three weeks, I don't think a lot is going to change. I mean, I think the division is still going to be very, very winnable in three weeks. You know, no one's going to pull away by that point because right. everybody's sort of in the same boat, you know? It's true. It's true. And, and uh, yeah, I, it's just I I am continual. I clearly have no idea what Anaheim is doing because I thought they were going to be – we picked them to basically win the West this year, and Anaheim is way out. I mean, they wouldn't be even close to a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, and they're and they're behind Vancouver in the race, and Vancouver's not in right now, as you said. So I, I don't even understand. And I guess on the good side is that we're playing Anaheim very soon. So I guess we can take some solace in that, that maybe the Sharks will continue to be able to take advantage of a a team that's not playing so well. 
with a lot of great yeah. players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that the thing that I think Anaheim really made a mistake with is they severely underestimated how important Francois Beauchemin was to that team. I think they really blew it, dude, because you look at Bieksa, 25 games, three points, minus seven. Yeah, yeah, like that's, that's true. He's been bad. He's been bad. And thank the good Lord that we don't have him. Because and, he, Andy's losing teeth. Did you see that clip? <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. Who punched it out? It was like Mike Fisher, right? Yeah, Mike Someone, Fisher like punched it out. It looked like, was it actually ran. held in by a thread somehow? That was really gross. <laughs> that was the grossest part. Not that the tooth came out, but that it seemed to be still somehow attached to his head, flying right. around like a small trapeze artist. It was really unnerving to see that. You look what Boschman's done in Colorado, 13 points in 25 games. He's a plus two on a bad team. He's playing 24 minutes for them. That was a that was a big bungle. I don't really get it. I don't know why they let him get away. I'm glad they did because I think it really screwed them up because he was their top defenseman, and they have guys like Cam Fowler who's maybe starting to look a little more like Jack Johnson than Drew Doughty. <laughs> you know, it's it, true. He's... You know, he, he's a minus 10, you know, and he's when you're a minus 10 and you're a defenseman, if you're Brent Burns, you can maybe ignore it because he's so damn good on the other end. But Cam Fowler, 10 points, minus 10, that's not good, you know, and he's playing <laughs> right. three minutes a night for them. So, yeah, Anaheim is definitely vulnerable and Vancouver is mediocre. Calgary is on the decline and Edmonton is, is completely lost still. And the Kings are at the top of the division, but they're not running away with it. And Arizona is nothing to be afraid of. So, I mean, it's there, you know, dude, it's there for the taking, which I think is the frustrating part is you want to see the sharks win the division because it's so winnable. It's so winnable. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Only LA and San Jose, have positive goal differential at this point in the division. All the other teams are minus, and Calgary's minus 30, for God's sake, which is the worst in the league by a pretty significant margin. So, yeah, you're right. This is the easiest division in hockey right now, and I guess if the Sharks have to take a few hits, they're in the right division to ha- make it happen. I, we got to just hope Couture can provide a boost, and uh, you know we already saw some some lines get shifted around like you said and and uh i don't know i i'm still not married to really any lineup right now i no line combination to me is completely sacred i guess you know thorn and paths make sense you know in terms of pairings but whoever's on that top line it whoever it's been i guess carlson is sort of the de facto standard because he was there last year and, and donskoy while playing well is not exactly in the in the Calder conversation here. So I don't know who, who would you, who would you put on that line? You know, the second line, if you want to call it that or the top line with, uh, Thornton and, uh, and Pavelski. I, I, uh, I don't know if there's a right answer. I mean, I, I might try Tommy Wingles up there just to try and get him going because he's not doing anything. I mean, he, I, I noticed him for the first time in a while uh, l- last night. So I thought he played kind of physically with Hurdle, but maybe 
let him try and have that Joel Ward front of the net kind of nose down role with Pavs and Thornton and see what happens because because this current situation is not not working for for a guy who I think we thought maybe could score twenty you know mm-hmm. and be a little Jamie McGinnish I mean, he's got two I think yeah so it's not exactly what the production that you were looking for out of Wingles I mean who would you try you just stick with the same or you plug someone how about John Scott he's leading the league in NHL voting or all-star voting John Scott did you hear that no John Scott is the leading vote getter for skaters in the NHL we must keep this going (laughs) we have to keep this going who who is that uh Rory Rory Fitzpatrick who was it a few years ago yeah, it was it was uh, something like that, right? Or Mike Commodore was it? Mike <laughs> Commodore leading the league. You got a Twitter war with Mike Commodore. No, I didn't. Oh yeah, I did. I had like one yeah. comment to Mike <laughs> Commodore. All you 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 redheads can't stop bitching at each other. I was complimenting him on his make it rain photo, which he he took <laughs> as a knock, and I said. It was after Evander Kane posted that one photo of right. him like flashing all the money, and I said. Dude, that that photo sucks compared to Mike Commodore like bathing in singles on the dorm room uh, bed or whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> Gotta love Mike Commodore, who's still in twi- in Twitter wars. I believe mostly his ire is directed uh, against Mike Babcock, which is always entertaining. So <laughs> I enjoy reading those tweets. Uh, um, the Sharks I- in go ahead inability to play well at home is disturbing, and I think it's. It's something that goes all the way back to last year. And I mean, they've had played some tough teams at home. Granted, it's not getting any easier with their next home game being against Tampa Bay. And then after that, they get Minnesota. Those are two tough draws again. Two good teams. You've got you to find a way to win these games. I mean, the fans, I mean, dude, what's, what's the temperature like at the tank these days? You know, I, I, I have no life. I don't get out there anymore. I'm, I'm uh, on toddler duty. Yeah. So tell me, dude, what's it like? It's decidedly lukewarm. Uh, you know, the Chicago game was well attended, but there was a lot of Chicago fans, of course, because they come out of the woodwork after they win the cup. All of a sudden, everybody's a Chicago fan, <laughs> which right. is very irritating. Uh, but which is to, but yet to be expected. But it was pretty well attended. But like, you know, it was it's still fairly lukewarm. You know, this isn't I don't feel and maybe I'm just projecting my own expectations, but I don't feel like people are really expecting the Sharks to do well. People are sort of showing up if their schedule permits. You know, this isn't a must have ticket right now in San Jose, even though they're literally the only game in town. I guess technically the Niners are the Niners are in Santa Clara. So but but like the Niners are doing great. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that after last year and this year doesn't seem to show any uptick, uh, and not much to be excited about. Yeah. I think that the, that that's part of it. It's not, it's no longer like a super raucous, crazy crowd that you could count on. And I think maybe that's affecting the team somewhat, but right. I really, I really, really hate arguments where people say, Oh, the fans are partly to blame. Don't give me this crap. I don't want to hear any of that. You know, people say, oh, the fans need to support the team more. No, no, the team needs to play better. If the team is that far affected by 
by the fans where they're losing games, then they need to pull up their socks and think of something else to do because that's just, I mean, you're going to get that's booed a, places. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's so totally, bad. That's a terrible, that's, that's a silly statement. You know, I don't think it helps that the best franchise in pro sports is 40 miles up the freeway in Oakland. I mean, the Golden State Warriors yeah. are 20 and 0. Yes. They just won the world championship. And if you're a casual sports fan looking for a casual outlet, you're going to watch the Warriors because they're the best team in sports right now. It's true. So why, why wouldn't you? So I'm sure the Sharks have lost some fans to the success of the Warriors. The Warriors were dog meat like four years ago. They were garbage. And the Sharks were in the Western Conference Finals. So, you know, it kind of comes full circle a little bit. I think if you've got some fickle fans, they're turning their head the other way right now. Well, what's going on? I want to watch a winning product. I don't want to go to the tank and pay $200 for tickets to watch them lose at home again. Like, it's tough. They've got to fix that. They got to find. I don't even. I don't even know what the answer is. Like, it, it, why they can't seem to get a signature win at home. I think. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think though, but I, patience is running out, right? You and I have talked about this a little bit. Is that the reboot is overdue at this point? I think is now my position is that this this team should have been effectively blown up a year ago. And you can make a pretty good argument it should have been two years ago. And they're still sort of trotting out the same same old guys. And now it's just, it's almost impatience from the fan base. What are we waiting for? Let's get on with this. This is not a lineup that can win. Uh, maybe it's a lineup that can make the playoffs in the worst division in hockey. But it's certainly not a team that's at all competitive with Chicago and Chicago is 10 points behind Dallas right now in the central. Not that Dallas is necessarily going to win the cup here, but Chicago is, is fighting a bunch of other teams, St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, all right around them. Those are all good teams. And the sharks are pretty significantly outclassed versus Chicago. It wasn't really close. Well, Chicago sort of has that. They just have that secret sauce that, you know, the Kings had for about three years. The San Francisco Giants have that secret sauce. The New England Patriots do. The Warriors have it. There's just something I know you you believe maybe team chemistry is a little bit overrated, but um, I think there's something to that. And the core, the core of that team that they keep together, the the guys that are constants, right? Taze, Kane. Hosa, even Hosa, even though he came in later, he's been around for a lot of it. Seabrook, Keith, you know, those guys are able to keep it going no matter who else is around them. <laughs> you can right. move in and out those parts. And the problem for the Sharks is their core has not been successful and they've kept them. And I don't know how you can look at anything else and go, you're right, it's time to recognize that this isn't working, even though they're in second place, even though they just went seven and three in their last 10, when you can't beat Pittsburgh and Chicago at home and not just not beat them, but look kind of bad mm -hmm. in the process at times, like something's wrong, like fundamentally wrong with this team. And I think we've all known it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, looking ahead, you mentioned Tampa Bay. 
Who has more points right now in the NHL, the Sharks or Tampa Bay? I'm not looking, but by the way you phrase that, I'm going to say the Sharks. The Sharks have more points. They have three more points. Tampa Bay is 11-11-3. They're a 500 club right now. Should, right. We, should we really be that scared of Tampa Bay? They've only scored one more goal than they have allowed. They're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. Yeah, I'm, they've got the ghost of Stamkos sort of looming over their head. I think they're, they seem to be playing like they're afraid that their franchise player could be gone at any moment. They, they could be right, especially if they don't play very well. He may not sign, and he may go out there and see what's out there, you know, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe it is the right time to draw Tampa Bay. I would take Tampa Bay's roster over the Sharks' roster. It, it wouldn't even blink. Oh, yeah. Asked me. Um, I, would, I would take them. But that, that's a team, it's a game we should win, dude. They should win that game. If they're going to be serious about winning the Pacific and challenging for the Stanley Cup, which is the goal, they have to win games like that. They have to. Because going to Anaheim, that's going to be hard. So they're going to get Tampa on a second game of a back-to-back when Tampa will have been sitting here in San Jose. It just smells like a loss to me. It smells like a loss. Yeah, but Anaheim isn't great either. They're they're still even... They're even over their last 10, 4-4-2. Four, four, They're under 500. Why can't? Why is Anaheim going to be a tough game? Um, because it's Anaheim. I, just, I, I think that there's still a good team in there, and there's problems, players on that team that give us problems. But, you know, I, I agree with you, dude, that they should win both those games. They should win those games. They should beat Calgary when they go to Calgary. They should beat Edmonton when they go to Edmonton. Yeah, they should win the next Sharks four games. Seem, but they never, they never seem to deliver on. They went and swept the Eastern Conference road trip. I mean, that yeah. they shouldn't have done that, but they did that. <laughs> That's true. And they go home and they they get two out of six points on a homestand. When they should have, they should, you got to get four points on that homestand. You got to get four points if you're serious about being a legitimate playoff team. And you know, on your home ice, it's deflating to lose to two teams that are regarded as good and not even be very competitive in the process. It's true, and there's a lot of winnable games here in December. Of course, we're, there's going to be a long road trip in the middle up to Christmas with Montreal and Ottawa and Chicago in there. Two very good teams, but. You know, can they find the magic again on that road trip? We're going to find out. But looking at the short term, dude, I think that, yeah, I think Anaheim, for whatever reason, looks like a tougher game than Tampa Bay. But I want to see them win at home against Tampa Bay. That needs to happen. Otherwise, this is, otherwise, we're going to have the same damn podcast next week. I'm just going to replay it. I'm just going to play the same podcast again. And I'll, <laughs> I'll see if I can, like, cut in, you know, whenever we say Chicago, I'll, like, cut it out. I was like, Tampa Bay. You know, and I'll just <laughs> cut it out, cut it in, Tampa Bay. You're right. You're right, dude. You're absolutely right. And the the Sharks have got to figure that part of it out. I mean, if, if you want to get the fans back, if you want to get that mojo that the tank used to have, you got to win at home. you got to win at home. We can get excited watching them win on TV, but people want to be there and experience a win at home. It's important. Yeah. And it's important to get those points. I mean, those are the games that's the advantage you're supposed to have by being at home. So I just think the schedule has not been kind in terms of these this back-to-back here 
with Tampa just sitting here waiting for the Sharks to come back to San Jose, it's going to be almost like Tampa Bay's home game because they're going to be the ones that were in San Jose sleeping. Yeah. So, you know, I, I worry about that for them. I, I, I don't have – I have low expectations. I wouldn't be shocked if they went to Anaheim and won and came back to San Jose and lost. And that's just sort of how I could see it playing out. Yeah. But um, there's a lot to work on. But the good news is the Pacific is so bad that they've got some time to, to try and figure this out. They may need to make a move, some sort of move to continue to shake up this roster. And um, not like a um, a move where you're moving a player out and not getting somebody back. And I don't even know what the answer is, and I don't even have a great suggestion. I just think that there's got to be something out there where – you can make a player for player move and try to try to shake up the core a little bit, the core that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, we haven't heard any Marlowe rumors in the past week or two. So I don't know if that's with Doug Wilson. That sometimes means that he's working feverishly. Who knows? Right. It depends on, on how motivated Marlowe is to get out of town. It's nothing, you know, once that win streak started, that that all kind of stopped, you know? I mean, yeah. It's it's surprising to to hear that it's him that wants the move and not the team. You would think the team would want it too, but if there's something out there, then I I think they should do it. And you know, as much as he's a Hall of Fame shark player, you know, it's time to move on. The Sharks aren't going to win the cup, dude. And you can replay this when they do. But the Sharks are not going to win the cup. I'll happily listen to it and we'll all laugh. I'll listen to it a hundred times. I don't care. They're not. They're not. Right. And so we all understand that no matter how much we love the team and how how, how fond we are of Patrick Marlowe. It's time to move on. Dude, let's and turn- if he's ready to move on too, then let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Dude, let's turn to the league and, and uh, different league uh, ideas or uh, topics. Montreal is still the class of the league. Can they keep this up without Carey Price, dude? It appears so. I mean, like, they've been able to. I mean, their, their goal differential plus 33. Yeah. I mean, they the thing that they've always struggled with is scoring goals, and that's not a problem right now no. at all. They're the right. highest scoring team in the NHL. Yep. Tied with... No, they're they're way ahead. They're they're two ahead of Dallas, right? Yep. So, um, not an issue. I I don't know if they can keep that pace up, but I mean, any team that's got Alexander Salmon's got a chance to go all. Yeah, that's what I always say. That's my <laughs> motto. You get Salmon, you're a winner. <laughs> um, what do you make of the uh, Travis Hamanick situation? on the island. He has asked for a trade for yeah. family reasons. I, I don't know what those are. I don't know if that's ever become public. He wants to come out west, western Canada preferably. Yeah, they said he wants to go to Vancouver or Calgary, I heard. And the rumor was that Winnipeg offered Dustin Bufflin straight up, and the Islanders rejected it because Bufflin is going to be unrestricted at the end of the year. And Hamannick still got like four years left on a, on a pretty good deal. So if you're not willing to take Bufflin for Hamannick, 
I mean, what what kind of deal can be made here? That's a good question. I would have taken Bufflin, and then you take his temperature a little bit, and then you flip him at the deadline to a team that really wants him. That's what I would have done. Right. I, mean, I, I think the challenge for the Islanders is that I think they believe they are in a position to not only make the playoffs but win a round. So if you are gambling on Bufflin being sour and losing him for picks, then you might fall completely out of that playoff picture. But, I mean, Bufflin for Hamannick straight up, I mean, it's maybe slightly downgradable, but not much. I mean, that's probably the best you're going to be able to do in this situation, don't you think? Well, dude, reading some headlines here, I think I might have an inkling of what the Islanders might be thinking. And and one of the one of the headlines I'm looking at says specifically, Oilers need D. Nugent Hopkins, Jordan Eberle may be on the block. If you were the Islanders, wouldn't you be looking at those guys? Wouldn't you rather have either one of those guys even sweeten the pot a little bit to see if you can get Jordan Eberle or the Nuge for Travis Hamonic? He gets to go to Western Canada, and you get a a potential offensive superstar that you might be able to pair with Tavares and, and create just an unbeatable offensive combination. Yeah. I mean, if I was Edmonton, I would do that in it. I would do it. No questions asked. Like, I mean, they need that desperately. They desperately need it. You're dealing from a position of strength from them. Yeah. I would try and get as much as I could get out of the Islanders, but I might even just do that straight up. Like, might just do it straight up. Who would you they, rather trade, Everlay or Nuge? Everlay, because I think. Although, wait, I take that back because I think they're they've got a lot of depth down the middle. Actually, I think I would do the Nuge, but but I don't know if the Islanders really need the Nuge. I think they need Everlay. Oposo's right. unrestricted at the end of the year. Um, you can. I mean, maybe even throw him into the deal, dude. Dude, you know, give them Oposo and. Hamannick and try and get Eberle and a first or some or a or a good something. pick. Yeah, he probably couldn't get the first, but because the Oilers are because the Oilers are going to get getting, the number one oh, overall Poso again. And oh, Poso and Hamannick signed for four years. You might. I mean, you might. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty sweet deal. I mean, I I think that's the kind of stuff that um for Edmonton. Gosh, they need D so so badly. So yeah, they could um, really use him. I think that's that's the partner I bet the Islanders are are gunning for because they could they could use not that they're super deep at D, but if they got a guy who obviously wants out and and the Oilers are looking to get rid of one of these number one overall guys. Yeah, we'll take them off your hands. No problem. Right. Right. So I'm going to keep an eye on that because I I think that could, you know, the Islanders are playing pretty well right now. They're they have thirty two points, which is really respectable, and uh, in it and not maybe the maybe they're not in the toughest division, but but still Washington and the Rangers are no joke, and and they're holding they're sticking to them, they're trying to anyway, and I think the Islanders, if they ended up getting another offensive threat, they could be one of those teams that no one would want to play. Right, that would just be an absolute nasty, nasty draw. If you're the capitals and you got to play the islanders in the first round no thanks yeah that's not a team you you'd want to see at all there are some rumblings dude of if genny malkin for eric stall 
how funny would you how much would you laugh if that trade happened that is the biggest that's that's the biggest joke that has to be rumors by people who have not watched Yevgeny Malkin play this season because he's dominating <laughs> right. he is so much better than Crosby right now and that's not to say that Crosby couldn't come back but it's not even fair how good Yevgeny Malkin is right now it's ridiculous and Eric Stahl what's he done who cares? I know. I well. I mean, you, you think of old man Rutherford in Pittsburgh hasn't exactly pushed all the right buttons, dude. I just i I would laugh so hard if that happened. I mean that that would be a devastating blow to the Pittsburgh Penguins if they did that. And then you got to think that Malkin might just board a plane to Russia, go home. If Gary Malkin has twenty five points in twenty four games, Eric Stahl has four goals. Right. Like, why would you go anywhere near that? If mm. Kenny Malkin is not slowing down right now, he looks nope. amazing. So, yeah, I, <laughs> that would be so hilarious. Like, see how many bad, like, I, I think, frankly, Pittsburgh really lost something when they traded Jordan Stahl. I think that was a big mistake for them in retrospect. Uh-huh. That was a great third line center for them. And they who they get like Brandon Sutter and some other guys. I, it they got a was, first pick too. I think it just didn't yeah. really turn into anything. Yeah, but yeah, that was I think one of those turning points maybe where Pittsburgh looked like they were going to be on the cusp of winning cups or maybe win another cup or two, and and it seemed like that took a turn for the worse when they got rid of uh, Jordan Stahl. But I, if I were them, I'd be snake bit about dealing with Carolina again. Certainly not for Eric Stahl. Dear God, no. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, I think we uh, we certainly laid out our hopes for this uh, coming week. I think uh, Friday and Saturday night are going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, certainly by all accounts, we should, if you look at just the numbers, the flat out numbers, we should win both of these games. But Anaheim is the worst team in the standings, but probably the tougher game. Probably, dude. The Sharks, you know, have always kind of traditionally struggled with Anaheim, although this might be the time to get them. Um. Hope for the best, dude. Hope that the the young players can continue to step up, that you can continue to see development from Hurdle, that we can see some progress from Mirko Mueller and guys on the on the bottom pairing. You know, when when we have Braun out, it just again exposed how much you know the Sharks struggle with some of these players out. You yep. know, so um well, hope for the best, dude. Hope the Sharks can continue their winning ways on the road on Friday. All right, dude. Hope for the best. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.